hello and welcome to the show. Today I want to talk to you about a Mexican actress that I find incredibly fascinating. And I found in my research that it's really interesting where all the different actors and actresses from old Hollywood come from. And if you really dig into their history, you can see that old Hollywood is like really a melting pot of nationalities and characters and languages. Because old Hollywood, as you know, in the beginning was a silent movie Hollywood where no language was spoken on screen. So you could mix a German with a Swede with a Polish person and a Mexican and an American. It would still turn out great because it didn't matter really. And that is really where like this extraordinary development, I think, from old Hollywood and Hollywood itself is coming from because there's so many influences which are just coming together, forming something new. So when I'm researching actresses and actors from old Hollywood, I'm always amazed to dig into their stories, to find out where they hail from, what their family background is. And, you know, there are just so many influences coming from. As the US is a country of immigrants, like nobody is really like American. So today I want to talk to you about Mexican-born actress Dolores Del Rio. And if you haven't heard her name, I guess that is quite understandable because she is not one of the big names that are associated with all the movies that we have seen all over again, like on the free TV, like Grace Kelly, Catherine Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn, and Doris Day, for example. They had reruns on TV for so many times during our childhood and even now. So Dolores Del Rio, with her silent film career and even her transition to the talkies, is not that well known. And I think this is a shame because she has played a very important part in Hold Hollywood and also in the Grand Hollywood Days of Mexico, which I didn't know of, to be quite honest. So buckle up today, it's Dolores del Rio. Maria de los Dolores Asunzola López Negrete was born on August 3rd in 1904 in Mexico. Her family was actually really rich, with her mother's lineage going back to Spain and the vice-regal nobility. And her parents were members of the Mexican aristocracy that existed during this time, which was the time during dictator Porfirio Diaz's reign. Society was different back then. And she had many notable family relations when it came to Mexican society. And the most high profile was her cousin Ramon Navarro, who was a sought-after Latin lover in silent cinema and also in Hollywood. So she was associated with him. And her family basically lost everything during the Mexican Revolution between 1910 and 1920. The family feared for their lives, so they fled the region and the father fled to the US, while Dolores and her mother went to Mexico City. They actually reunited there in Mexico City when Francisco y Madero became president, because he was a cousin of Dolores' mother, and therefore they got protection from him and they were safe. And as with many silent movie stars, Dolores developed a love for ballet and dance early on, because she saw Russian dancer Anna Pavlova and also Antonio Merci called La Argentina. So Dolores took dance lessons with a renowned teacher and artist. And when she was just 17 years old, she was invited to dance for a hospital benefit. And there she got to know Jaime Martinez de Rio y Vincente, son of a wealthy family. And I'm sorry, I'm butchering all the Spanish names. I'm so sorry. I wish I knew how to speak Spanish. So I'm trying my best. If I butcher it, I'm so, so sorry. It is not out of disrespect. So he was the son of a wealthy family. Two months later, they already got married. And afterwards, they honeymooned for approximately 
two years, which is quite long. So you can see their families were really wealthy and they could afford it because two years, that's a pretty long honeymoon. And they traveled throughout Europe. And she even danced for the king and queen of Spain because she was such a gifted dancer that, you know, she was invited to dance at the court there. And she even got a photograph of the Spanish queen as like a thank you note. So she was really famous early on. And when they went back to Mexico, her husband decided to become a cotton farmer because the prices were good and the conditions were good to grow cotton. But the cotton crisis took all their money and took all their wealth. And also... At the same time, when they got back, Dolores lost the child she was pregnant with because she had such severe complications that would also later result in her not being able to have children at all, which is a really sad story, I think, because as a woman, I know how tragic it is to lose a child and to know that you're never going to be able to have another one. So really, my heart goes out to her. And it was pure coincidence, actually, that Adolfo Bestmogar, a close friend of Dolores and her husband, visited the two together with American film waker Edwin Carraway. And the latter was so impressed with Dolores that he invited her to Hollywood. He wanted to make her the female equivalent of Rudolf Valentino, who, if you remember, was the heartthrob of Hollywood back then. He was like the hottest. So... At age 21, Dolores arrived in Hollywood together with her husband against Mexican social norms and against the wishes of their respective families. Carrie shortened her name to her screen persona Dolores del Rio and became her agent, her manager, her producer and her director. So he was responsible for basically her life. And Carrie was a very good salesperson and he published stories in the major Hollywood magazines that read... Dolores del Rio, the heiress and first lady of the high Mexican society, has come to Hollywood with a cargo of shawls and combs valued at $50,000. She is said to be the richest girl in her country, thanks to the fortune of her husband and her parents. She will debut in the film Joanna, led by her discoverer Edwin Carraway. So this is how he introduced her to the Hollywood audience and to the film audience in general. And initially, Del Rio acted only in supporting roles. Her first starring role was in the now-lost movie Pals First from 1926. And she got steadily bigger parts and she made remarkable progress. So much so that she was named one of the Wampus baby stars of 1926, along other newcomers like Joan Crawford, Mary Astor and Janet Gaynor. She was in good company, I'd say. So demand for Del Rio was big and was getting bigger and she was hired together with Carraway to United Artists, starring in several high-profile and financially very successful movies. And in 1928, Hollywood was very much concerned with the advent of the talkies. So United Artists brought together Mary Pickford, who was a fan of United Artists, Douglas Fairbanks, her husband, Dolores Del Rio, Charles Chaplin, Norma Talmadge, Gloria Swanson, John Barrymore and D.W. Griffith. They brought them all together in Mary Pickford's bungalow to speak on a radio show to prove that they are fit for the talkies and Del Rio actually sang live, proving very much that she was skilled for a talkie. Her professional life going all smooth, but her discoverer, manager and director Edwin Carraway wanted to marry her. He was really infatuated with her. 
and especially once Dolores was divorced from her Mexican husband. He placed rumors about the intended marriage. When he was campaigning for new movies, he was making advance towards her. He was harassing her. And United Artists, with Mary Pickford on top, convinced Dolores to sever all ties with him, which luckily she did. Nevertheless, he campaigned against her and he started like a smear campaign against her. But they reached a settlement out of court and her first talkie, the bad one was the title of it, which she filmed Freed from Caraway, was a huge, huge hit, showing that she was a hit in a new medium. So her Mexican accent, her demeanor, it all fit with the new medium. And then her contract with United Artists ended because she had a severe kidney illness that required an extensive bed rest for her. And her contract did not get a renewal. So Del Rio signed with RKO exclusively. And their specific formula for Del Rio movies was rather easy. It was exotic scenery, like exotic setting, like an island. Very little clothes like very little that covered the perfect body of Dolores and lots of Dolores. So that was basically what they were working with. The plot, yeah, was like, okay, they, they didn't have to work so hard on it. They just had like this formula and it worked like magic. The contract was not renewed though because of the uncertain economic situation that RKO faced at that time. So Warner Brothers came up and offered her a two-movie deal. The first one was a musical comedy. It was alongside Kay Francis and under the choreography of Busby Berkeley. And if you know anything about Hollywood, old Hollywood in specific, you must know about Busby Berkeley. He was the one who did the choreography on all those dance scenes where everything is like symmetrical and where there are like hundreds of girls and they're forming a flower and something. So this is always Busby Berkeley. That was his visual language. And the second movie was Madame du Barry. You must have heard that name several times already if you are listening to my podcast, because Paula Negri did a movie which was called Madame du Barry and Thida Berra did Madame du Barry. So it actually apparently is a really great role. So Dolores de Rio did Madame du Barry and de Rio loved the role and the production was exquisite. And her dresses were designed by famed costume designer Ori Kelly and they proved to be absolutely divine. Nevertheless, the studios never saw much potential in Latin stars and focused way more on their roster of high-profile all-American stars like Jean Harlow or Joan Crawford. These were like the stars they had back then. And they did not do much to push the career of Latin stars. So eventually, Dolores focused more on advertising than on movies. So you can find vintage advertisements with her with such brands like Lucky Star and Max Factor that she was an ambassador for or like a face. And also, to make things worse, Dolores Del Rio was eventually put on the list of stars appearing in the infamous box office poison ad that I will link to because, you know, I already did an episode on box office poison ad. So this was like her professional career up until then, so the height of her Hollywood movies. But what about the personal life of Dolores del Rio? That was also very tumultuous. So, after her marriage to her Mexican husband, whose name I'm not going to pronounce because I'm going to butcher it. So, after that marriage, Dolores got to know Cedric Gibbons. He was an art director at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, MGM. And he was one of the most influential men in Hollywood. And she met him 
at a party of William Randolph Hearst. And I have the feeling everybody meets at William Randolph Hearst's houses and parties. So this is really, I would have loved to be there. <laughs> and Dolores de Rio and Cedric Gibbons married the very same year that they met. Gibbons actually tried to help her with her career and suggested her for specific movies and roles at MGM. But MGM was, as I said before, focusing on its rosters of established stars, including Jean Harlow, Greta Garbo, Norma Shearer and Joan Crawford. Norma Shearer being the wife of Erwin Talberg, who ran MGM. So there was like, as Joan Crawford said before, there was hardly any possibility to be like number one in the studio as long as Norma Shearer was there. The same year that Dolores was placed on the box office poison list, she met actor Orson Welles. And she fell in love with him. They started an affair, which eventually led to the divorce from her husband, Cedric Gibbons, after a marriage of 11 years. So they were together for quite a long time. Orson Welles famously created Citizen Kane, which is only a thinly, if at all, whaled portrait of William Randolph Hearst. And Hearst actually wielded enormous influence in Hollywood and probably might have had his hand in cutting film offers for Dolores Delirio who was the partner of his arch enemy. But Orson Welles traveled to South America and behaved there very promiscuously. And when Del Rio learned about that, she ended the relationship by a telegram, which kind of is romantic. So apparently Orson Welles never really got over her. And he married later the star that would be dubbed the new Dolores Del Rio of Hollywood, who was Rita Hayworth. And shortly after the separation from Orson Welles, Dolores Del Rio's father died. So she was at a low point in her life. Her career was at an all-time low. Her lover had betrayed her. Her father had died. So she decided to just start over. She left Hollywood and went back to Mexico, her home country. When it comes to personal life, in 1949... So a while later, Dario met Louis A. Riley. He was an American millionaire and they met in Acapulco. And Riley had been formerly known as a lover of Betty Davis when he was a member of the Hollywood Canteen. In 1949, Del Rio and Riley started dating and married after 10 years in New York and stayed together until her death in 1983. So that's her personal life. But what happened when her Hollywood career was at all-time low? What did she do? She went back to Mexico. Dolores del Rio had been courted by Mexican filmmakers for many years. She just always refused it because she was bound to a US-American film studio, which she had a contract with. So now was the time to start filming with the Mexicans. Her Mexican film career started with the filmmaker Emilio Elindio Fernandez, and it proved to be hugely successful. Her movies were box office hits, and she established herself in the Spanish-speaking Mexican film scene as an A-lister. And one of the movies, which was called Maria Candelaria, would even go on to win at the Cannes International Film Festival, like the first Latin American film to do so, which is a huge success and honor. But things were a bit more complicated than they seemed, because Fernandez, like the director of the movie, had fallen in love with Del Rio who had no intention of entering into a relationship with him. So filming became excruciating for everybody involved. Fernandez was showing mood swings. The Rio threatened to quit filming and storm off the set. 
and the rest of the team had to try to hold it together. So the two of them eventually parted ways and decided not to make a movie together anymore. Del Rio made other movies with notable Mexican film directors who had garnered great reviews. So she really became one of the grand dame of Mexican movies. She even made a movie with director John Ford and co-star Henry Fonda, which was set in Mexico. For the Americans, though, that was kind of proof that she entertained and helped communist projects. It was like in the McCarthy era and communism or anything that kind of resembled communism was like bad. So they looked and watched and kind of already judged about Del Rio. At that time, the fear of communism and the ban of communists or those believed to be communists from Hollywood was very much at its height. So subsequently, Del Rio was refused a working permit for a movie with Spencer Tracy in Hollywood. A very significant incident happened with the first lady of Argentina, Evita Perón, while Del Rio was filming in Buenos Aires. Perón wanted to meet the famous actress, but Del Rio had to decline the kind offer because of a rigorous filming schedule. So the next day, the government issued an order that the film industry had to shut down for the complete day so that Dolores del Rio's schedule was freed to have tea with First Lady Evita Perón. That is how famous and how important Dolores del Rio was for the Latin American public and for the Latin American people. When her situation in the US was remedied and she was granted access to the US once again, Dolores took another approach and wanted to try her hands at acting on stage in the theater. She approached famous acting coach Stella Adler to help her. And her theater debut was successful and she continued to love her theater acting in Mexico, where she and her husband founded their own production company. After 18 years, she returned to Hollywood. So it took 18 years of filming in Mexico and being on the stage and then only she returned to the movie scene in Hollywood. And it was in a movie with none other than Elvis Presley. She was playing his mother in Flaming Star in 1960, when Dolores was 56 years old. Afterwards, she had several TV and movie roles until she made her last appearance in 1970, when she was 66 years of age, in an episode of Marcus Welby, MD. So that is kind of the career of Dolores del Rio and her private life. What happened there? But what about her cultural influence? She was enormously influential on the Mexican society, on Mexican theater, on Mexican movies and in old Hollywood. She was like one of a kind. So Dolores del Rio is regarded as the first Mexican actress who became a Hollywood star. She has been invited to act as vice president of the jury at Cannes Film Festival in 1957, thus being the first woman to ever sit on the jury. So this is how much she was valued in the film industry. Dolores del Rio was one of the main promoters for the Mexican arts and cultures and movies. Some of her contributions include promoting the Acapulco International Film Review, co-founding the Society for the Protection of the Autistic Treasures of Mexico and co-founding Rosa Mexicano, which was a day nursery for the children of members of the Mexican Actors Guild. And she continuously raised funds for it until the end of her life. Her beauty, Dolores de Rio's beauty, was legendary. She was voted the most perfect female figure in the magazine Photoplay in 1933. 
And she helped define what glamour, what Hollywood glamour would actually mean. Joseph von Sternberg, who was one of the directors back then, credits her together with Marlena Dietrich, Carol Lombard and Rita Hayworth to create the glamour and allure and style of old Hollywood. And Dolores del Rio was so exquisitely beautiful that she was a very popular subject for artists and painters. Her face, with perfect facial bone structure, smooth dark skin and slanted eyes, were just too mesmerizing and everybody just wanted to capture her essence and her beauty on canvas or on a mural or whatever kind of medium they were working in. Also, a lot of books, of statues and of poems have been inspired by her. In her hometown of Durango in Mexico, a street is named after her. One of the latest tributes to Dolores de Rio was in 1995, when John Galliano created a collection called Dolores. And one of the curious things, which I've never heard of, but I found very endearing, was that after Dolores de Rio had died... The actor Vincent Price signed his autographs from that point onwards as Dolores del Rio. And when he was asked why he did that, the actor replied, I promised Dolores on her deathbed that I would not let people forget about her. And I have to say, I get goosebumps when I read that line. I find it so great because she was a very beautiful, very elegant, very old Hollywood person. And I find her very captivating. And I didn't know about her. So maybe I had a point in trying to keep her memory alive. You know, definitely in Mexico, you will come across Dolores del Rio because there are so many statues, places, streets, and all her collections of art pieces that she had, both of herself and like the other art pieces, she gave to the Mexican state to be distributed in different museums and she had collected lots of them. She was friends with Frida Kahlo, her husband, so she got some great art and I guess you will see Dolores de Rio's name on many plaques around Mexico. So I was just very inspired by Dolores de Rio because she was described as such a an ephemeral, as such a beautiful and just eternally graceful person. There are some great quotes about her from other people during that time. Like American actress Joan Crawford said, Dolores became and remains as one of the most beautiful stars in the world. And Marlene Dietrich, who was also a very beautiful woman, said, Dolores del Rio was the most beautiful woman who ever set foot in Hollywood. This is the real beauty. And George Bernard Shaw said, the two most beautiful things in the world are the Taj Mahal and Dolores del Rio. And Elsa Schiaparelli, I've seen many beautiful women in here, but none as complete as Dolores del Rio. You can see people who have seen other beauties day in and day out still saw in her perfection. So go find a movie from Dolores del Rio and tell me what you thought about her. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. I have another good one in store for you. I talk to you next week. Bye.